Welcome to our grandparents' teachings, a storytelling program hosted by Chuck Miller in collaboration with the Sitka Tribe of Alaska, Art Change, and KCAW. This storytelling program will help keep Clinkett stories alive through community education. Join us the first Tuesday of every month from 7 to 8 p.m. as we celebrate the rich cultural heritage of this land. Welcome to Hashil Kohas Ha'it Aoshli At, our grandparents' teachings. This episode, we're going to focus on the Sikha Native Education Program. We are our grandfather's abalone earrings. That is what the late Isabella Brady used to say in regards to Grandpa Charlie Joseph Sr., who are the ones that started our program back in the early 1970s. She used this metaphor quite a bit at performances that I attended with the Qajahin dancers. She used to say that Grandpa used to refer to all of his young people, all the grandchildren, the younger people, the younger generation, as his abalone earrings. And the metaphor was, in ancient days, long ago, when the men would get ready for kuik or potlatches, or specific ceremonies, the men used to wear abalone square-cut earrings. And they used to polish them up, really shiny, before they would go into the kuik. And so Grandpa Charlie used the metaphor as the young people are his abalone earrings. He's shining them up so that everyone can see them, the teachings of our grandparents and his grandparents before him. So that is why we are focusing on the Sikha Native Education Program today and the continuation of the teachings that he had brought to all of us. The Sikha Native Education Program was started by the late Isabella Brady, like I said, and through the teachings of the elders, at one time, Grandpa Charlie Joseph Sr. made mention to the other elders in the community that he had saw something not very good amongst our young people. They were struggling. The young people were walking through town, through the village with their heads down. There was lots of prejudice back in those days. And a lot of our people, younger people didn't have any good self-esteem. And so he noticed that and he talked with the other elders. They were saying there was something wrong with the younger generation. There's something going on. We need to help our younger people. They're not learning the ancient ways. They're lost. We need to help them. We need to teach them our ancient teachings. We can't be selfish with what we know. So he talked with many different elders of the different clans and talked with them about trying to preserve our culture. And he was a man before his time, according to what Isabella used to say. He put his neck out there for everyone to get these traditional teachings uh, brought to the younger generation. Because a lot of the songs, stories, and things of that nature have ownership between the clans. And you don't cross those boundaries. And so he was trying to, even though he wasn't intentionally trying to break protocols, they needed to do something. So when they brought the younger people together, there was many different young people from the many different clans. And so he ended up teaching multiple clans, other songs that belong to other clans also. So he was crossing boundaries there. So that's why Isabella used to say he was a man before his time. And if it wasn't for them, this program wouldn't exist. And the other elders that were involved with this preserving of our culture 
were uh, Anya Nachtla, Annie Joseph, uh, Charlie's wife, Kasanak, my auntie Annie Dick, uh, Kachitla, my grandmother Elizabeth Basco, and Sehingitla, uh, Emma Duncan Davis, along with many other elders that have gone through the program and have taught. I'll mention their names too. And please forgive me if I forget anybody. It's not my intention. The late Das Dia, who we recently lost, Ethel Mackinnon, one of my main mentors. Kauduk uh, Eitla, my auntie Vida Davis, and she has passed also. Kauduk Ann Johnson, who's still teaching here in our community, one of our elders. Kusin, Alice Williams, who was a beating instructor for many years. I also know that Kawagani Shah, Maria Guthrie, worked at the Sikh Native Education Program for many years. Along with that, we also had uh, George Ramos of Yakutat, who assisted uh, for a few years in the program at the very beginning, and the other Das Dia, Nellie Lord from Yakutat. So many people are involved in starting up this program, which is still going strong today. And that's what we're going to feature today with our younger generation, that it, these teachings are still continuing on today through we who were young people at one time. Now we are the teachers, and so we're carrying on what Kat and Yedi Kuka, Isabella Brady, and Charlie Joseph had started way back in the early 1970s. We hope that you enjoy what you're about to hear today. The recordings that you're going to hear are from our younger people uh, currently here in Sitka at the Sitka Native Education Program. So we actually went on site to record these younger people singing the songs and perpetuating our culture today. And we interviewed a few of them also. Hope that you enjoy what you have to hear today. Gunachish. Thank you. Our next audio clip that you're going to hear is from our Sikha Native Education Program archives through a video that was made specifically for Charlie Joseph Sr. by Claude Austin in the early 1980s. Grandpa always loved his grandchildren. That's what he called all of the students, his grandchildren, and all the grandchildren called him Grandpa Charlie out of respect. And so he shares with us a little bit of uh, his vision of why he loved his grandchildren so much and what he thought of them. So I thought you would love this audio clip of our grandpa speaking about his grandchildren. Enjoy. Because 
سخت تذکر خاکت خیال خواسته تذکر است داغشی استادیو قطعی خاص خاص یک وگرنه اختراعی آکوشش کرد. هیچگاه اوهان دخکن خواه خاصی یا خاصی یکیگرد. و تو سیکوچایو قطعی که این اصلیو قطعیت که کتاسه کتنیکی چطور وقت آسم تویتیه؟ آواه خطر نکنه و خودشلو
the song that you just listened to is one of the staple songs of the Qajahin dancers, the Sikhi Native Education Program. Back in the day, the dancers were first referred to as the old Sitka dancers, and uh, after a while, Charlie Joseph had changed it to the word Qajahin, which is the name of the area where people know as old Sitka. The song that you actually heard is referred to as Old Sitka. It is one of the main staple songs that our younger people sing. They started learning this in the early 1970s, and they still sing it proudly today. It does have clan ownership, though. It does belong to the Chukunedi, the brown bear tribe, or the porpoise tribe of Sitka. The name of the person that composed it was Ikhtishan, and this belongs to them. And the words to the song are, For a long time now, I have given up hope of seeing my maternal uncle's land, for I am going to the other world beyond. It was my raven of long ago who loved this old Sitka. If I die there, I will not feel so sad. The Chukunedi, uh, their ancestor Ikhtishan went out hunting and got caught in a very large storm and he didn't think he was going to make it back home ever again. So he composed this song while he was out there, but then he made it home. And so the Chukunedi uses it as, as a, uh, a happy song. And so to show you a little bit about why this song is so important to us, uh, we sing it very proudly today. And anybody that was involved with the Qajahin dancers knows that this is one of the staples of our dance group and uh, I'm very proud to announce that the the young lady that was drumming that song was my daughter. She's my youngest child and she's carrying on the traditions that I did and also her late mother, Amanda Miller or Amanda Sam used to do. And so very proud of her for drumming that song. And then the young man that was uh, calling out the words to the song was my, my nephew, Alex Johnson Rice. And he has learned how to song call through my teachings uh, through Ethel Mackin and through Charlie Joseph. So it's continuing on today and a uh, very proud moment for me, but also you can hear that our culture is very strong in our community and we want to keep it that way. I hope that you enjoyed. Our next recording is from our Sick and Native Education Program archives. It's a video that was done by Claude Austin uh, back in the early 1980s. It's a video that was done of our grandfather, Charlie Joseph Sr., and his teachings of some of the older songs and the ancient teachings. Some of the audio clips uh, we're going to share with you are directly from Charlie Joseph and what his vision was for the Sick and Native Education Program and the younger people and what he thought of his grandchildren. So uh, you'll hear two different clips here. We hope that you enjoy what you have to hear of our grandfather's teachings. Gunachish. <laughs> It's a lullaby for our kids. And when we get growing high enough to try and put us on the lap of mother or either our father, they make a stance like that. I say this word to my grandchildren the ones I teach in them. What I went through, that's what I'm going to teach you folks. I didn't got it here. This is my agreement with them, with my grandchildren. The reason why I'm doing all this. Uh, welcome again to Hafid Kuhas Ha'it Awthi Tu'at, our grandparents' teachings. We have in our studio a couple of our Sikh and Native Education Program instructors. And we'd like to welcome them here. We have Dorothy Gordon and Lakrisha Johnson. Welcome to our studio. Uh, first, I would like to ask uh, Dorothy, what is your role here in the Sikh Native Education Program? How long have you been a part of it? And uh, maybe go from there. If you'd like to introduce yourself in a traditional manner, please do so. 
My Tlingit name is Gakish Tin. Um, I have been doing culture class. Gosh, how long has it been now? I don't even know. Over five years now? It, it's been about that long. Mm. Yeah, it, I have no concept of time. But <laughs> it's been many moons. <laughs> My role, I don't know if it's really defined. I feel like I do more know more about song and dance. And I tend to help out more with that. And are you a product of Sick and Native Education yourself? Were you a student here? Uh, yes, I was. Okay. And do you have uh, children in the program? I think I have a child in every class. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, I guess from a, not only a parent's perspective and a cultural instructor's perspective, what do you think is the most important part about the Sikh and Native Education Program and what it brings to our community of Shitka? I think our most important thing is educating Native people and non-Native people. I think just people as a whole, because I think it is, more people are interested in our culture and it is making it easier for us to reach out and to reach other people and to get other people interested as far as you know, coming and learning about what we do here and about our culture. If you were to tell a, one of our listeners or our listeners, one of the favorite things about our cultural programming here uh, through Sikh Native Education Program, what would you tell them? I think that we learn, but we also have fun. Excellent. And we're a family. That is true. Thank you. And we also have in our studio, Lakrisha Johnson. And I know that Lakrisha is also a product of the Sikh Native Education Program and is a cultural instructor, but she has many different hats that she wears. And so I'd like to have her introduce herself in a traditional manner if she'd like to do so. Chukan yukhat duwasaq, chak na khatsati. My Tlingit name is Chukan. My English name is Lucretia Johnson. Um, my role here, I currently hold the Cultural Resources Education and Employment Director position, which means that I also get to co-direct the Sick Native Education Program alongside Jewel LeBlanc, who is the cultural specialist within the district. Um, I am a product of the Sitka Native Education Program. I participated as a kindergartner through 12th grader. I started teaching as a junior in high school as a student instructor with our younger classes, um, and I fell in love with it. Didn't want to leave, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for, the, for those of our listeners out there, uh, Lakrisha is also the grandchild of the late Isabella Brady, who was the uh, the main people for st starting up the Sikh Native Education Program with our grandfather, Charlie Joseph Sr. Her grandfather, the late Bill Brady, was also uh, instrumental in helping out the young people when it first began also. So uh, maybe you can just share a little bit uh, with our listeners about how you remember your grandmother and well, why it was so important for her to start this program here in Sheetka. Sure. So um, in, when grandma was growing up, she was part of one of the generations that was highly discouraged from practicing, um, you know, the language, the culture, et cetera. Um, and my grandpa knew a little bit more than my grandma did. Um, and she could see just by looking around that we were in a really dangerous place. We were losing our language. We were losing our songs. Um, and she worked closely with Kash Atk, Charlie Joseph Sr., as Dana Khitsik had mentioned at that point to um, you know, come together, write the grants, have the vision um, and make it happen. So I think as Chuck said, you know, it would be impossible without the two of them kind of plowing the way for us today. Um, she felt like it was really important for us even within the family to learn at a young age. I don't remember a family dinner that didn't end in singing and dancing. In fact, that's where I started learning 
how to drum and how to sing. And it wasn't just at the Sick Native Education Program. I would, you know, I'd go to my grandma's every Saturday for pancakes and we would end by singing and she'd have Edie Kuka stand up, uh, Dion Brady Howard stand up and teach me the right way to drum and dance at the same time and, you know, how to start the pitch or how each song starts. And um, it was kind of a very rounded education experience that I got to have because my grandma was so instrumental in getting the program started and I had cultural bearers in my family to look up to. I got that education at our after school program. I got it at home. I got it at grandma's house. And as our elders say, you know, we, it doesn't just end there. We represent our culture and our group everywhere we go within the community. So I was lucky to grow up in the generation that was really pushed to learn these things. And ironically, you are now the co-director of Sick and Native Education Program, like your grandmother, so that's come around full circle. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> and, you know, and not only that, I'm very proud to say you were one of my students. And so, and, uh, so we're very glad that you have come into our studio, but I'd also like to hear um, why, why is it so important for you as a cultural instructor, as a director of the Creed Department, and overseeing the SNEP activities, why is it so important for you as Lakrisha Johnson to be a part of this? I think, you know, for me growing up in the program, it was one of the few places that I felt really proud of who I am, of who my family was, of, you know, who my family's family was. And it was just really celebrated. And I felt like, you know, that's a piece that I don't know I would have had without the SNEP program. I don't know that I would have grown up feeling proud without people telling me why there's so much amazing things to be proud of. And if I can work with students today and show them that there's a ton to be proud of out there, um, and it's not just you're too Canadian, you should be proud of that. You're Kixetti, you should be proud of that. That's very true. Um, but the program teaches a lot more than just language, song, and dance. And that has been the case from the beginning. It's, it's really about how to be a successful human being. Um, so it is, you know, part of it is the pride and um, just being able to carry on that knowledge to future generations. But, it, you know, it's also how do we respect each other outside of this space and within this space? What does it look like to show that respect to elders and to peers? Um, and I think without that lesson, I don't know that I'd be here today. I've thought about this a lot and I, I want to provide as many spaces for students to have those opportunities as well. And if we can expand it beyond the Sick Native Education Program into the school district, into the community, that's even better. And there has been more of a push for that kind of wraparound services, wraparound education, where it's not just coming from or Chukan or Shkakishtin, a culture class, it's coming from their teachers in the school, it's coming from community members now. Um, and they see that and it just reinforces, you do have a lot to be proud of, you, mm -hmm. you are going places and this is something we're celebrating. I have one last question. Uh, what is one of your most fondest memories growing up in the Pajahin Dancers Sikh Native Education Program? Oh man. How do you choose? <laughs> you know, I often come back to the story that I tell when people ask me why I ended up here, how I ended up here. Um, and it was when I was in culture class and working with peers. I was actually in class with your sons <laughs> in Bajahin. And Kaudukate um, Tlavaida uh, was talking to the group about the song we had just finished and just debriefing, like you saw today in class, debriefing what went well, what can we improve on? Um, and one student had a question that wasn't quite answered, and so I was trying to have a conversation on the side with him to kind of help him answer that question. And the elder who was teaching at the time asked me, you know, she stopped, because I was talking over her, which is very disrespectful. <laughs> um, and she stopped the class and asked me, do you want to teach this class? Um, kind of in a, <laughs> kind of in a you know, reprimand way, but also very lovingly. Um, and at the time, it was definitely, I snapped into, okay, I need to be listening and not talking while she's talking. But in my head, I was like, yeah, I do want to teach this class someday. Um, and that's one of you know, my favorite memories. And I've talked to that elder after that moment, almost probably even that same day. And I was like, yeah, you know, I appreciate you asking me that because the answer was yes. Um, and later on in life as, as an adult, when I had that conversation with her, she was really tickled by that story. So I do feel confident sharing it today because I know that she enjoyed the story back then too. 
but it's hard to choose. I think, like I said, Gajahin is not just an after-school program where you learn language and song and dance. It's really a community. Um, I have peers that I grew up with in the program today that I work alongside, that I see within the community still, that are still out there in various capacities trying to, you know, live a good life. And um, it just makes it easier to be successful when you're surrounded by people with similar values and, um, you know, just celebrating each other. All right, goodness, cheese, Tangi, Chukun. Thank you so much for your words today and sharing what you uh, shared with our listeners about the Sikkim Native Education Program. Thank you so much for coming into our studio. Next, you'll be hearing another audio clip of our Sikkim Native Education Program students currently, and they will be singing a song that was composed by a man named Sakuye who was of the Qanakhtedi clan up in Tlakwan, which is the raven uh, frog moiety of that area. I hope that you enjoy our young people singing this song. It's a very beautiful song. All right, young gay or
liked it a lot. In our studio today, we have a special guest from the Qajahin Dancers, our local dance group, through the Sikh Native Education Program. And this is one of our students, uh, Julio. And if he could introduce himself to everybody, I'd love to hear that. Uh, hello, my name is Julio, and I'm 13 years old. Well, welcome to the studio, Julio. And we're talking about Sikh Native Education Program and the Qajahin Dancers. And we've gone into the history of the program itself, where it first began in 1974 up until today. Maybe you can share with us a little bit about what is your experience at uh, in the Qajahin Dancers and what do you like about it? Well, um, some things I like about it is hanging out with my friends and doing art and stuff. And yeah. What are some other things that, that you and your, your peers do in Qajahin so that the audience knows exactly what the Qajahin dancers do? What do they do? Uh, well, whenever we meet somebody, we introduce ourselves and um, kind of just tell them what we do, you know? Okay. And does it, does it involve singing, dancing? What, what kind of things do, uh, other than that do you do? I know you guys are fundraising also. Could you explain a little bit about that? If there's tours, sometimes we dance, and we also go to celebration. And um, Yeah, that's okay. it. Okay. If you could tell our audience one thing you want them to know about the Qajahin dancers that you really like, what would you tell them? Uh, probably the staff. They're really nice. And the food, correct? You gotta yes, say the food. And the food, obviously. <laughs> All right, and let us let us know how many years have you been a part of the SNAP program that you remember? Uh, I think since kindergarten, so probably eight years or something like that. Nine, maybe. All right. Well, very nice. Thank you for being in our studio today, and thank you for sharing your thoughts on the Sikh Native Education Program. Gunashish. Thank you, too. We have another one of our special guests in our studio. Um, one of my favorite ones is my daughter, uh, Naomi Miller, and I'm very pleased to have her here. And she's going to share with us a little bit about the Sikh Native Education Program and how long she's been in it, and uh, also the Qajahin dancers. So, welcome to our studio, Naomi. Thank you. Maybe you can tell a little bit about uh, what your Klingit name is and maybe what clan you belong to. Okay. I actually have two Shingit names. Um, the one I mainly use is Yanshaltib, and my second one is Ashikwe. And I am Kagwantan, which is Eagle Wolf. Which clan house are you from? Um, I am from the Box House. Okay. So we're talking about the Sikh Native Education Program in our episode here, and we're also talking about the origins of SNEP, when it first began in 1974 up until today, and we wanted to interview a few of our students that are currently in the program, like yourself. Um, how long have you been a part of the cultural classes Sikh Native Education Program that you can remember? Um, I think maybe when I was like in kindergarten. Pretty sure. And you, what grade are you in now? Um, I am in eleventh grade. Eleventh grade. Okay, excellent. So, if you could tell any of our listeners why is the Sikh Native Education Program Qajahin Dancers? Why is that so important to you? Because it's really a part of my culture, and I like listening to the stories that you tell, and I like learning more songs with you and singing. And if you could tell our listeners, when you come to cultural class uh, on Mondays and Wednesdays, what do all of you students participate in when you come here? Just so somebody knows, just so that our listeners know exactly what happens when you come to culture class. So like we have like um, academic time, like four on Mondays and and then we usually have snack, and sometimes you tell us uh, stories. And on Wednesdays, we have drumming class at 4 o'clock, and 
sometimes we like to work on some projects that we're having a fundraiser for. Excellent. Now, if you could share with somebody that doesn't know very much about our program, and uh, if you could explain what is the biggest reason why you come to the culture classes other than your dad makes you. <laughs> um, why we come to culture class? Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to you? Um, it's really important to me because I don't want our culture to like die and there's not like a lot of um, young kids that are like really into their culture not even putting like forth the effort and it's kind of sad to see that happen and and I just like to um, come here so I can like at least tell some people what happens at culture class and that they should at least like try and come because it's really fun you get to learn about the history and legends. Mm -hmm. And just so our listeners know, Naomi is the youngest out of all my children and all of her brothers, her older brothers, have participated in the Sick and Native Education program. Her late mother also was a graduate of the, of the program and was a, uh, uh, a song keeper of all the Kaguantan songs. And she's carrying on the tradition of her mother and of course myself. I started when I was three years old and graduated when I was 18. And have and still participating in it. So hopefully, my beautiful daughter will take up the footsteps of her father and start teaching it in the future. So, thank you for sharing your thoughts about the Sick and Native Education Program. You're welcome. Wait, before you go, I, what what art do you do? <clears throat> I'm kind of brand new to class here, and what what kind of art do you do here? What are you working on, or what have you done? Yeah, art. Yeah. Um. I don't know, like really all like depends on like what you want to do. What do you do? Um, I like to um, probably draw like mountains and like um, with trees and um, the ocean. I was interested in snacks. I got to just sample some and loved it. Can you tell me more about the foods you guys eat here? Um, we usually get a lot of like different kinds of foods. Like today we had herring egg salad mm -hmm. and we had salmon spread. Um, we usually have like different kinds of snacks, but like uh, we had, was it, um, what kind of stew was it? Deer meat stew. Yeah, we had deer meat stew. Um, what else have we had? That's all I can remember. Me too. <laughs> So the traditional foods are served here for our young people, and that's um, that's beneficial. And then we also had at one time uh, we had a deer processing class with the students when we harvested a deer. Myself, I harvested a deer and brought it in and showed our young people how to process a deer in the traditional manner and the the values that go behind it. Uh, do you remember that class, Naomi? Yeah. What was one thing you remembered about the deer processing class that you'd like our listeners to know about? What was important to you? What do you remember? Um, I remember that you told us that you had to cut, like, like kind of where the knee is of the deer, you had to cut that part off and you had to cut their head off. Uh -huh. And that, um, that you had, like, a certain way and you had to be, like, really delicate with, like, the fur when you're cutting it off the uh -huh. meat. And if you were to tell our listeners something about the deer that maybe we both, your uncle Ed Young and myself taught at the very beginning, kaya'awuneh, do you remember that word? Mm -hmm. What does kaya'awuneh mean? It means respect. Respect for what? Respect for the, the animals. Respect for the animals, the kuwakan, the deer, the kewe, gunachish. Thank you so much, Naomi, for participating and sharing with our audience what you learned here at Sick and Native Education Program. All right, Yangeo and Ne. Good job.
Next, the song that I'll be singing is uh, from uh, the very early uh, years of Sick and Native Education program. Uh, the younger people like myself and Dion Brady Howard and a few of my other classmates, uh, we were so young in the program. We started off when we were three years old. And they didn't want to start us off with like the heavy songs or the serious songs. So they taught us these songs called Dlegu, which is lullaby songs. And they would sing them to the younger babies Growing up, um, there were boys, boy dlegus and girl dlegus. Uh, the song that I'm going to sing for you is a song that was uh, taught to us by Charlie Joseph that he would sing for his daughter, Das Dia Ethel Mackinen. And uh, basically the gist of the song is, uh, where is my daughter? Uh, is she up on that hill over there uh, picking berries? Uh and uh, at the end, it says, uh, is that my daughter over there? Yes, uh, she is chubby. She is chubby. Yes, that's my daughter over there. And so it's kind of a funny song. And I know that Das Dia used to tell this story quite a bit. And uh, it, it was a, it's a very meaningful song to her. And so I thought I'd share that with you today. And then also we'll be transitioning to end our show today with a beautiful poem by Gal Pauline Duncan, uh, on Raven Brings Fire. We hope that you enjoyed our grandparents' teachings today. Good cheese for listening. Raven brings us fire. Once upon a time, there was no fire. Raven flew all around to inquire. Raven was told of an island in the sea, so far away that he could not see. Raven flew there and picked up an ember. Raven was a flyer who set out to bring fire. The island was so far away, and Raven could not make it back in a day. The fire ember burned Raven's beak half off as he flew around high above. Raven let the coals drop at once, one, two, three, as he flew high above the sea. The coals fell down on the earth and sparks fell on stone and wood. 
Today, if you put stone and wood together, a fire will transpire. Raven was the flyer who brought us fire. Thanks for joining us to learn from our grandparents' teachings. Stay tuned next month to join for more stories, songs, and traditional ways of living. If you would like to hear previous episodes, search Our Grandparents' Teachings anywhere you find podcasts. If you have a story you'd like to share, please reach out at storytelling at kcaw.org. We'd love to hear from you. This show is supported in part by the Sika Tribe of Alaska, the Alaska Humanities Forum, and the National Endowment for the Humanities.